listen. Those are the drums of liberty. Except for the year 2021, our country hasn't grown its gross domestic product over 4% in over two and a half decades. But what if I could demonstrate to you that no matter what party holds the presidency, that four out of four times it's been tried in the last hundred years, supply side economics wins every time. It's next on the Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to the Liberty Minute. The economic illiteracy of Washington, D.C. is truly, truly mind-blowing. There are more people in that city that claim to know what to do and how to do it and yet know nothing of the sort. The experts, as we have so often heard, know what is best for the country. From blowhard politicians to incompetent bureaucratic paper pushers, that town has a strange way of suffocating even the best of economic ideas and grinding that economic truth into the ground. For a long time, both national political parties would embrace economic growth as a staple of their respective party platforms. And our economic history shows us usually they would stumble into economic growth one way or another. All presidents say they want to grow the economy, but few, very few ever get the right policies in place to do that very thing. Not really following a recipe or following the history of truth in this area of public policy, but they just kind of wing it and then hope to catch lightning in a bottle. So let me clarify before everyone starts writing me that you're wrong and our country hasn't grown its gross domestic product over 4% in over two and a half decades, except for last year. But if you stay with me, I will show you why we exceeded growth of GDP over 4% in 2021. But all of this brings us to the main topic of this Liberty Minute, because it's all summed up in a fantastic book written in 2016, titled JFK and the Reagan Revolution by Larry Kudlow and Brian Dmitrovic. And here's the strange thing about how Washington works and thinks. In our modern 20th century, in fact, over the last hundred years, only four presidents, Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge as his vice president, John Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, and then President Trump in 2018, only four presidents out of how many managed to get the country out of the economic doldrums and get the country growing again. That's a terrible record. In fact, you could actually go back to President Grant for restoring a stable currency after the Civil War and pegging the dollar to the gold currency. 
So maybe that would be a fifth time you could explain where Washington, D.C. and its leadership was not completely economic illiterate. So be sure to check out and do your research on the Panic of 1873, which was skyrocketing inflation coming out of the Civil War in 1865. But Grant showed incredible courage. He had to go against his own party at the time. He overcame both houses of Congress, I believe, and voted who voted overwhelmingly for the inflation bill of 1874. He ultimately vetoed that. That showed incredible courage. And it was a very wise thing President Grant did. He had to stabilize the dollar to, as the currency coming out of the Civil War. And liberal historians just don't expand on that policy prescription at all. Uh, they overlook it, and they just write about um, about the Reconstruction years in the South. Well, one place I did find a good summary of Grant's leadership, and it talked about this, the his economic proposals uh, pretty fairly, was in a biography, American Ulysses, A Life of Ulysses S. Grant by Ronald White, which I picked up at the Shiloh National Battlefield in August of 2021, a place I would recommend you checking out. Now, coming back to our current crisis, one would think that Washington would be remarkably humble in this area, figuring their track record of economic growth and getting the gross domestic product over 4% year after year has been an abject failure so many times over the last hundred years. Well, as we moved in the first quarter of the 21st century, that same failure has not only been repeated, but even worsened both presidents, George W. Bush, Bush 43 and Barack Obama had no clue how to grow the American economy. Trump was pretty good in this area, but being only in for four years and Biden reversing everything he did so quickly has done enormous, enormous damage to the economy, which we have seen throughout 2022. So my point of all this is that both political parties are on the hook for this, especially Bush 43 and Obama. But let's go to our fantastic book because we have to pull some economic wisdom from these pages because evidently our national politicians are completely economically Illiterate. Let's go to the book. Quote, the big difference between the years of the 2000s and the two decades before is economic growth. In the 1980s and 1990s, the economic, the economy of the United States was growing rapidly, 4% per year for long stretches. 44 million new jobs appeared from 1983 to 2000, an increase of 50% in total employment and a good deal less than a generation's time. The stock, up mar the stock market went up 15-fold. The effects were felt broadly. Savings and nest eggs grew enormously as the average family became a fifth again as rich in 1999 as compared with half a generation before. If these well-established trends had held, untold prosperity would have settled in as the permanent condition of the American people in the 21st century. That boom, immense and extended as it was, did not, of course, last. Since the peak year 
2000, economic growth in the United States has averaged 1.9% per year, barely enough to cover the yearly increase in population. Now listen here. If you subtract the growth of government and just measure the growth of the private or real economy, the number is even more pathetic. 1.4% per year. Private sector employment has inched upward at the achingly slow rate of half a percent per year since 2000. 10 million fewer Americans are employed today than would be if the trends of the 1980s and 1990s had been sustained. The average family makes $10,000 less comparatively. It was not even the Great Recession that dragged down all these numbers very much. Economic growth since the bottom of the bust in 2009 has been 2% per year, making the recovery one of the weakest ever. That prosperity that drove the optimism of the 1980s and 1990s is not even a shadow of itself in America today. So again, both political parties, both Democrats and Republicans are responsible for this. You can check out the book for more details about how and why both political parties have failed to get the country really moving again. And keep in mind, this book was written in 2016, so it did not capture any of the COVID stuff. But suffice it to say, all the experts in Washington and throughout the country have been economic illiterates. They believe in their hocus-pocus academic theories, especially this new monetary theory, money, uh, new, yeah, the new monetary theory that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. These are just not practical policies that have worked in the past and will work in the future. And we know. So let's go back to the book for more. Quote, the reason for stagflation is that our nation has forgotten two key truths. The first truth is that the engine of economic growth is the private sector. As people seek to provide for themselves and improve the world around them by pursuing projects as, such as entrepreneurs or by joining such projects through employment at a business, they become even better at working with the fixed resources of the earth. Something special happens in turn, what the great free market economist F.A. Hayek called spontaneous order, that of economic bounty and interpersonal cooperation comes about. The second truth is that the government's most important responsibility is to make sure that growth happens, and this is done by getting out of the way. The government does not need to stimulate demand. Businesses and entrepreneurs know how to do that through innovation. Providing a safety net for those who are not able to enjoy the growth is a small matter in a booming economy, and in any case, economic growth fosters a spirit of cooperation in American citizens. Even providing for national defense is less important than ensuring growth, since economic growth inspires the world to emulate America instead of fighting with it. Right on, right on. This is so true. Why is it so hard to understand for the folks in Washington of what economic growth does for the whole country and what it does, in fact, for the whole world. Why, why, why is that so hard to understand? Let's go back to the book. These two truths have kept America 
prosperous, and yet here we are in this mediocre new millennium. For pushing nearly 20 years now, government has not gotten out of the way, rather it has forgotten or chosen not to grasp its main responsibility. It has stuck its snout in the real economy to an uncommon degree. Right on. Now, if you and I were sitting at the seat of power around a conference room in the West Wing of the White House, and the topic of how to grow the economy came up, I think we both would say, and not because we're the smartest folks in the room, but because we're not the stupidest guys in the room or in that city, we would ask two questions. When in our country's past have we grown as a country over 4% of gross domestic product year after year? When did that happen? And if it's been in our recent past and not some 200 years ago, how do we duplicate that model and not reinvent the wheel? Well, it's funny that we should ask those two questions because let's go back to the book. Quote, fortunately, we have a model to follow as we seek to return to being a nation of growth. It is the JFK and Ronald Reagan model. It is a model of getting the government restrained and modest in its two key areas of economic policy, fiscal policy and monetary policy. Both Kennedy and Reagan identified, here's the key point, substantially cutting income tax rates and getting the dollar strong and stable as the specific policy mix that would let the private and sector, which is to say the real economy, thrive. Most of us are well aware that Ronald Reagan was a tax cutter and that the horrible stagflation, weak economy, growth in the context of a prodigious price inflation of the 1970s and early 1980s came to an end in the first years of his presidency. We're even more aware, incorrectly, that Bill Clinton, listen, that Bill Clinton used that model to foster prosperity in the decade after Reagan when the Republican Congress guided him toward that policy mix. What is generally unknown, however, is what is the subject of this book, is that President John F. Kennedy in the early 1960s not only used, but largely pioneered the same model. Kennedy came into office during a period in which growth was only a little better than today's, meaning in 2016, and even worse now in 2022 that we're speaking. His presidency, this is JFK's presidency, launched the United States on one of the longest and greatest economic expansions in its history, one that lasted until his successors forsook his model. That would be LBJ and the Great Society. Thank you. What rubbish there was there. We got we got to we got to cover that as well in these Liberty Minutes. But then it repeated the economy. Then repeated itself two decades later. Hence thanks to the emulation of JFK by Ronald Reagan. It was the policy mix of tax cuts and a strong and stable dollar, the essence of governmental restraint and modesty in fiscal and monetary matters, end of quote. So there you go. This book was just a fascinating read. It just goes to show you that there's actual public policies that we can learn uh, to grow from and when our political leaders 
put their ideological blinders on, um, you know, we're, we're in for gloom and doom. But when they actually get it right, when they take those blinders off and they look at actually what worked, then they have four actual examples. Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge in the 1920s, John Kennedy in the 1960s, Ronald Reagan in the 1980s, and Donald Trump in 2018. And actually, let's let's go for one final quote before we end this incredible Liberty Minute and the Liberty Nuggets of Wisdom on how to get our country moving again. Let's go back to the book. Quote, JFK's John F. Kennedy's example reminds us that this is so. Like Reagan, Kennedy wanted Americans not to lean on government to limp through life, but to go out in the economy and take a rip at the ball. If the government did not get in the way, Kennedy and Reagan believed, this is important, that a wholesale, wholesome general prosperity would come about, wiping away division and cynicism and engendering engendering a national happiness. We badly need reminding of this ideal in these pitifully slow growth years and now nearly two decade era of economic mediocrity that does not benefit this country or its traditions. End of quote. So in today's Liberty Minute, let us learn from our economic past and correct our economic illiteracy. After four times in our past of the modern presidency, at least since the invention of the Federal Reserve, we have got this country growing again. And all four times, it was the same formula we just learned and read about. Let us get the country moving again with what actually works and has proven to work over and over. Let us learn from our economic past so we can actually repeat it and achieve over 4% gross domestic product year after year. Get government out of the way and let's grow this economy. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book, packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually 69 pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link.
Again, tmojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.